Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Time now for the Church of the Week, showcasing churches and pulpit ministries from across the greater San Francisco Bay Area. Well, my guest today has had the privilege for over 20-plus years to minister to some of the greatest places in the west of the United States, far west out in Honolulu, Hawaii, for almost a decade, and for more than 10 years now, right here at home in the greater San Francisco Bay Area. Joining me now is the senior pastor of Bay Church of San Francisco, Pastor Noah Coombs. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Great to have you with us today, and I, I'm, I'm fascinated in learning your story and sharing a bit with the listeners about what God is doing in the trajectory of ministry that you've been involved with. I mentioned in my opening introductory remarks that you spent about a decade ministering in Hawaii. So Hawaii, San Francisco, some of the sweet spots. Yeah, I know. We've been really fortunate. You know, sometimes you can be apprehensive as to where God would bring you when you say yes to him, you know, and sometimes we're afraid of the journey that he could take us on. But it's amazing how it is connected with how he has designed us. And I uh, have been fortunate to serve in uh, in Hawaii 10 years now in San Francisco, and it's been an amazing journey that he's had me on. There may be some pastors eavesdropping on our conversation today that say, wow, I want that assignment. <laughs> <laughs> I need I need to talk to uh, the super of my denomination and ask for a transfer. Uh, but, you know, all joking aside, while Hawaii is a beautiful place to minister, as to San Francisco for that matter, there are many inherent challenges. And I would imagine certainly in Hawaii, you know, you're dealing with a very transitory population in many respects. And I suppose some challenges in terms of being able to just get in there, do a church plant and lead people to Christ. I would suspect that some of the resistance that we would see in San Francisco would be the same in Hawaii. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, you know, people go through different things and they're, they're, they go through experiences and um, there's hurts from their past. There's trends of our culture. And, you know, sometimes what we see in Hawaii, there is a tendency to have a delayed impact when it comes to some of the cultural implications that we see here on the West Coast. But we certainly see those things in Hawaii. And, you know, there uh, continues to be a need to connect with people on a relational level first to build trust. And also people are really skeptical of the sales types or those who come in with a good pitch or a good uh, strategy or some type of, you know, uh, something something that kind of is, is appealing versus people that are connected and have really put in the time and have, have really paid the price. And in both places, Honolulu, as well as San Francisco, um, these are challenging places to live. I mean, these are, of course, beautiful, attractive, but they're expensive. Um, there's traffic. It's hard to find parking. And you're kind of up close and personal in people's lives. And as you continue to stay faithful in a community and you 
love the people and you love them past your own discomforts and challenges and things that you go through, that really opens up the door for relationships and then for people to hear the message that you are there to bring. And at the end of the day, that's really key, isn't it? I mean, there can be sort of the mass marketing approach to Christianity or there can be the relational approach to Jesus. And I think what you're suggesting is that people will sense if you're engaged in the quote-unquote mass marketing. But when it's relational, they want to see that you're genuine. They want to see that you really believe that they are important, as important as we know God would suggest that he sent his son to die on their behalf, that he might have relationship with them. And so with that idea in mind, I think it's interesting to note, as much as these are wonderful parts of the world, to be sure, a lot of those that get called to ministry, you know, you can go where it's the easiest— in parts of the country where we have huge congregations and lots of folks that are engaged in a in an active faith experience, or you can go to the places where there's the neediest. And certainly, I think in describing San Francisco, to be sure, and I would suspect Hawaii as well, these are a couple of the places that are some of the neediest for hearing the gospel message and for that encounter with the genuine Jesus Christ on a relational level, as opposed to that mass marketing level. You know, in in both experiences, we see that people work really hard to make it, to survive, um, in both in Honolulu as well as in San Francisco. And we have always been impressed with people's work ethic. In some circumstances, people will work two jobs. So we do really see people putting their their life into their work and and it can be exhausting. Sometimes people can feel like they're losing a sense of even themselves as they're just, you know, trying to make ends meet and trying to keep up. And, um, you know, in my relationship with God, what has been amazing, and, and sometimes even as a pastor, we can, as you, you're trying to get a church up and going and you you feel like you need to just focus on what you need to do. And you can be almost a little bit uh, self-centered in your project or your assignment. But I believe that Jesus does something that's really powerful is that when he fills our heart with his love, what he does is he doesn't just give us enough of what we need. He gives us more than enough. And when he gives us more than enough, what he's wanting us to do is to share that love with people around us. And when we can do something as small as taking a little extra time to spend with people in Hawaii, we learned a really term. It was called talk story. And what that basically meant was making the time to have a conversation with somebody, you know, after work, instead of rushing from one thing to the next, taking some time to be present and to listen. And, you know, here in San Francisco, um, there really is a value of empathy and taking time to care for somebody who is struggling or going through something. So making that a priority, you know, when you're out walking your dog, You know, sometimes getting a dog is just a really great way to be available, to be present, to be in community and to take some time to stop and to listen and to see how people are doing and what they're going through and to really listen with compassion. And I feel that that's really comes from a value and a characteristic of Jesus. He was constantly moved with compassion. He might have been going from one city to the next, and he had some place he needed to go. He was going to do something, but then he would be moved with compassion, and he would then find himself in front of somebody that he didn't anticipate or expect, and now he's there listening to whatever uh, issue, challenge that they're going through, and he made himself available for the Holy Spirit to use him to be able to connect. Maybe it was an, an encouragement 
Maybe he said something. Maybe it was a teaching. Maybe it was to stand up for somebody who was being bullied or judged. Maybe it was to pray for someone, to see, see someone healed. But I feel that it's so important as ministers that we don't get caught up in kind of this. You know, we use this term, the rat race, where we just never have time for people around us. And I really believe that as we've been in both Hawaii and San Francisco, it's been important for us to be uh, find that time to be available for people, whoever God would bring in front of us. And, you know, you mentioned about the rat race, and I think it's, it's, it's good that occasionally we be reminded that the one who wins the rat race is simply the fastest rat. So that maybe puts a bit of perspective, but I'm, I'm struck by something you mentioned from, from a, a, a tactile sense of ministry and the many, many examples we see throughout Christ's ministry on earth of addressing felt needs and that sense of compassion all along the way demonstrated before us time and time again. And I think sometimes we get caught up in the notion that, well, you know, you're, you're talking about evangelism and I'm not really good in talking to people or, gee, what if they ask me a question I can't answer? Or what if I run into somebody that's a member of the Jehovah's Witnesses or, or some false religion and they, they might even have a better handle on, on Scripture than I do? But, you know, I, I remember a story shared by my colleague um, many years ago that I think demonstrates how simple yet profound ministry can be. And, and this happened in San Francisco with a homeless woman on the street and a passerby that as this lady was asking for money, this individual gave them some money and then stopped and asked this woman something that we would think would be quite normal. Uh, and that was simply, what's your name? And the woman who was begging for money on the street, obviously homeless, began to cry. And when the individual asked, why are you crying? The reply came back, do you know I've been out here on the streets homeless for months now? And this is the first time that anybody has ever stopped and asked me my name just simply sometimes demonstrating respect for human dignity. And of course, that encounter opened up an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And sometimes it's not the big, profound things that we do. We think that we need to hear, you know, a, a, a voice out of heaven and God descending on a cloud and lightning and thunder to get the message through that he's about to call us to do something for him and for the sake of the kingdom. Sometimes it's in the simplest of actions, stopping for a neighbor that you know has lost a loved one and saying, hey, I heard about your loss, I'm praying for you, and watch and see what God does through an encounter like that. Or the simplicity of asking a homeless person what their first name was. I think there are all kinds of ministry opportunities sitting right underneath our nose if we were just sensitive enough to that still small voice of the Holy Spirit to listen and to do. Yeah. You know, when we um, look at Jesus's ministry, it was very dynamic. Um, but at the same time, it was very simple. You know, he didn't really travel that far. You know, he remained in a kind of a, a small geographical space. But what we see is that he was out with people. And I think that that, yeah, that model has really challenged me because um, sometimes, or maybe some of my experience or training has been, 
only in uh, trying to get people to come to church, and which I do believe. You know, I do believe that's a, a, a great thing. Invite people to church. Um, go to church. <laughs> um, but Jesus was constantly going. And that's the other part of the ministry model that sometimes it's easy for us to either uh, neglect or maybe we're a little bit busy or maybe there's some uncomfortable is it's outside of our comfort zone. Um, but Jesus was out with people. And um, since we've been in San Francisco, we uh, have really embraced that side of the model of ministry, really trying to just follow what uh, Jesus did by, you know, being out with people in broken, in their brokenness and their situations. And we think about where he would go. You know, we think that he would go into some of the, the difficult places, uh, the broken places, um, the messy places um, where we would encounter folks with stories um, that I, I tell you this, sometimes we look at somebody who is homeless and we feel like, how could I possibly relate to this person? How can I possibly connect? And, you know, for whatever reason, our social norms, we don't, we may not engage. But um, as we have taken steps, steps of prompting of the Holy Spirit and steps of faith, we have done a lot to engage with people that are on the fringes of society. And when you take time to listen to people's stories, man, these these stories will break your heart. Um, these stories, these are stories of devastation. And um, people have been cut off from family. Uh, there's been people, lots of uh, foster kids who've aged out of foster care, and they don't have the support that a lot of us do. Um, and people have lost loved ones, and they found themselves trying to cope. And their decisions of how they have tried to cope have brought them into, you know, basically a a rabbit hole of uh, of poor choices sometimes on their own, or you know, um, getting uh, addicted to substance a lot of times. And a lot of time, and then the mental health always follows that. You know, when you're not able to sleep, think about if you've ever spent an all nighter. Think about, you know, <laughs> how in your right mind are you? Um, no, it, it it causes us to to kind of lose our our sense of, of stability, you know, mentally and emotionally. And and so, um, I think one of the the best things that has happened to us is how our faith and our perspective, our theo- theology, has grown as we have just tried to follow the example and the model that Jesus has given us to be out with people who are hurting and broken and struggling and, and to be able to just see, we've been able to see needs more clearly. You know, I think about the story of uh, the, the good Samaritan and how Jesus was showing how the good Samaritan saw the person who uh, was beat up, left for dead. And he took time to help him and, pay for his lodging and but there was two people that saw that person that had been left for dead and had passed him by he was talking about the priest and the levite and these were and i always ask the question where do you think the priest and the levite were going and i the hundred hundred percent of the time i hear he's probably on his way to church and i think that story really convicted me because sometimes we can find ourselves as church ministers and leaders to like be about our focus or the work of the church and so much that we can sometimes miss the needs that are happening in the community around us. Yeah, I think and you're right. Or we're focusing on church small C as instead of church capital C. You know, and, I, and I'm struck by something that you say that I think it's important to underscore. Many people eavesdropping on this conversation today certainly want to see people come into the church. They want to see their church grow. They want to see more lives impacted. 
etc. But I think we need to be mindful, as you suggest, Pastor Combs, that the, 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 the coming in is always preceded by the going out. And by that I mean we are told in Scripture to go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. Nowhere does it say hang out a shingle and they'll show up. No. It says for us to go out into the high. So that means engagement and, and living a life that demonstrates that there's something about who we are that is compelling to other individuals. Listen, if we are as down and dour and uh, dragging about and of little faith and negative as the rest of the world is, what makes any of us think that people are going to find that attractive? They're going to look at that and say, come into your church so I can be as miserable as you apparently are? No, thank you. Not interested. But if we are really living that new life in Christ, and if there is something about the, the vibrancy of our personal relationship with Christ that really does cause us to be that new creation. Others around us, co-workers, friends, family, neighbors, will say, there's something different about you. What is it that makes you different? And, and, and that's part of that, that, that going out and compelling them to come in process. And I think if we, we want to look for a formula for church growth, we don't need to look to you know how to build a sanctuary that seats 10,000, hang big lights, big music, put on a big performance and hope that they'll all show up like they're going to a concert at the Oakland Coliseum. No, I think living the life engaged with a life in Christ that is different and is exciting and is compelling can be that difference. And sometimes it's just as simple as asking a neighbor if you can pray for them. Yeah. You know what, as you're talking about excuse me, all the different things that we have sometimes really put our uh, emphasis on, you know, the lights and the music and the charismatic speaker and all these different things. And, you know, I think that when those things have come into play for us, many of us have felt like, um, well, maybe, maybe this isn't for me. I, I, you know, I don't know how to run lights. I'm not that funny or a charismatic speaker. I don't have a, I don't have the budget for all these types of things. But when we talk about the ministry of Jesus, the simplicity of it, I think a lot more people would say, well, I I can go out and listen to somebody. I can go out and take someone to lunch. You know, I can uh, be available uh, for whatever need or that could come my way. I could pray for somebody. You know, I can be intentional. And so I feel that this ministry, I think, gets a lot of people who have maybe sidelined themselves to say, you know, I can get back into ministry in a simple way, just the way that God has designed me. Um, and, and as you're talking about, you know, what is it that compels people, you know, to the kingdom? We're not trying to, you know, some, we're talking about compelling people to church, the lights, the camera, the action. But really, we want to compel people to Jesus. We want to compel people to the kingdom of God. And, you know, I really think about uh, the fruit of the Spirit a lot. And, and to me, the fruit of the Spirit is really the evidence that God is in your life. You know, and he he lists out these characteristics that are the fruit of the spirit, love and joy and peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I think I got all of them. I might have missed one, but 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 these are the things that people I believe are craving craving. They're craving love. They're looking for peace. How do I find peace? You know, and I you know, as people of faith, people that have God in our life, there is never a reason that we shouldn't have this fruit in our life. Of course, we go through troubled times. Of course, we go through challenges. 
Of course, we, we grieve because of loss, but yet the fruit of the Spirit uh, should remain. And the Lord says, "There's and it's no law can come against it. it means you can't uh, you you can't argue, you can't combat against the fruit of the Spirit." And what it says is that then you know these birds will come and nest on the on 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 the, the fruit of the spirit, you know? And so um, I, I really believe that the compelling towards a relationship with Jesus to know God, to know your creator, to be open to the kingdom of God versus the, the currents of the culture of our time. You know, I believe that the evidence of him, the Lord's Lord's presence is through us when it comes to the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit um, being demonstrated in and through our lives, people around us. Should we be concerned that there's oftentimes, as folks look at the, the, the currents of our culture, as as you suggest, and see this and say, wow, we're, we're in the middle of a, a battlefield here. We are at war. We need to really engage in this battle. And, and it, it's a lot of talk these days about engaging the culture, things of this sort. But I also typically hear people characterize those who are outside the bonds of Christ as the enemy, people that are to be defeated. Uh, it's us against them sort of mentality. And, and yet Scripture that I read says that we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in high places. Do we sometimes misidentify who the enemy is? In other words, we see somebody with whom we disagree politically, morally, spiritually, but instead of recognizing them as another sinner just like me in need of a savior, we characterize them as an enemy to be defeated. And yet that seems in my reading of Scripture to run absolutely contrary to what God tells us about who the true enemy of our soul is. Yeah, you know, you're you're absolutely right. And I I do see our time that we're in. Of course, these are uh these are very difficult and challenging times that we do live in and very confusing times. And um, you know, but if I do compare it to biblical times like the times of Noah, you know, are these times, you know, if we compare the two, are they more difficult and challenging than then and or or in the times of Jesus and the answer to that is I, I really don't know, but um, it's it's not uh, for us to you know necessarily label or you know uh, say oh you know come on let's just sort of get get over it wasn't as hard as you know this this time or that time I think that is important for us to go no the times that we that we're in are challenging especially as I've talked to friends of mine who are older and have seen different trends and seasons and many of many of them have said these these times that we're in are very concerning. And so we have to always uh, see ourselves in the context of the last days, that these things are, you know, are telling us that, you know, we are coming towards the end. But how we respond, and, and, and you're, I think you really um, are hitting the nail on the head here. If we're finding ourselves fighting and in combat with people, whether we find that on social media conflict or in some political arena or even in our families you know even though as jesus talks about the end times we can expect these things to be very tumultuous um then i believe that we ought to take a step back and say you know what if i'm fighting against flesh and blood then i've i've got it wrong i've allowed anger i've allowed emotion negative emotion to actually lead me rather than allowing the holy spirit to lead me and the lord does tell us that this battle is against 
is 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 it gets it gets it's against spiritual principalities, and all these different storms that we might experience, cultural storms, political storms, they all have a spiritual undercurrent. And so we, the people of faith, need to be about the battle of the spiritual undercurrent that's happening. And the Lord does tell us how to do that. He tells us to put on the full armor of God. He says, you know, use the sword of the spirit. And he's talking about like, like praying God's word into these different uh, situations, dark places, bring the light, you know, and it's like, and, and the question then becomes before you get all combative with people, like how, how are you doing with reading God's word and praying that? praying his word into some of these environments that are concerning to you. You know, um, the Lord also, you know, gives us this uh, illustration about where we, how we build our house. You know, if we build our house by this, by the, down by the shore, you know, when the waves come and the storm comes, well, that house will be washed away. But the one who builds his house on the rock, that one will stand. Well, how do we build our house upon the rock? Well, it's, it's, doing and applying God's word to our life. And so, um, you know, these spiritual things that God has given us, these spiritual disciplines, are for times like these that are difficult. And and so that becomes the big question for us as Christ followers, those who are, um, you know, wanting to know God or trying to understand these times are, are of confusion. You know, when you start to read God's word, it's all of a sudden things become a little bit more uh, clear because the context, you know, that we're in. And so um, that is what I would continue to encourage people is to engage in God's word, engage in prayer, be in his presence, let him speak to you. And and that will keep you from getting caught up in the currents of our time. You know, anchor your 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 soul in Jesus it is secure and it is firm his kingdom is a counter current than the currents of our time and that's the current that we want to be in and I think the notion of, of, of praying that God would give us a, a a broken heart on behalf of those that are outside the bonds of Christ and instead of seeing somebody with whom we disagree as our enemy instead say well there is somebody who just like me is in need of a savior why should we be surprised when the unregenerate behave so? It's when the regenerate behave like that, and, and, and there's little demonstration of who they are in Christ or who they serve. That ought to raise serious cause for concern. But I think the notion of if we, if we want to see the culture change, and I think we would agree, we all recognize that we are going through some indeed very mm. challenging times right now. But doesn't that suggest that if we're going to see a change in behavior, a change in culture, a change in our nation, that it has to begin first and foremost with a change in hearts? You know, I, as we talked about, you know, different signs of the times, and one of them is talking about earthquakes. And, uh, you know, maybe it's not necessarily only physical earthquakes, but there's uh, cultural earthquakes. And um, I and I'm, you know, I think the question that I put out, I want to put out to people is like, if there's cultural upendings, but the Lord is saying, but those, the people of faith should be standing firm. That's what the scripture says, you stand firm. And then when you think you difficult, you stand firm. And the Lord has given us um, the ability through his word, through a relationship with him to stand firm, even though times are shifting and changing. And so, um, you know, really the adaptation that we need to make. I mean, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. When you're talking about the rock, that rock stands firm. Um, but it's it's us that needs to need to continue to course correct uh, back to Him, uh, back to His will, 
uh, back to relationship with him. And um, I know that can be sometimes hard because that means we need to humble ourselves. It means that we need to repent regularly and we need to continue to work on restoring our relationship with him. But I want to tell you, it is super vital and super important, especially when the currents of our times are so strong. It's easy to get swept up into the next controversy or battle or fight or argument. Um, And so, so yeah, the, the changing is really a continual course correcting that each and every one of us need to do. And I, and I want to continue to challenge each and every one of everyone who people of faith to say to to get into your word to get into god's word and do it on a daily basis that's the best that's the very best way for you to course correct and to stay out of some of the the fights that you can so so easily get caught up into the battles or 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 getting swept you know onto the rocks uh of uh, of the current because the currents of our times spend a moment if you would pastor and tell us a bit about what god is doing at bay church of san francisco yeah, Bay Church. Well, we've been on on an adventure, you know. Um, so, you know, my wife and I we've been in San Francisco ten years, and we have been working on an urban missions program. We host groups to come into San Francisco, and we do a variety of outreaches over the course of a weekend. And that's always an invitation and open to anyone. <laughs> we have people come and all the way from Fort Wayne, Indiana, coming up in a couple of weeks. And uh, so th- these are great times for us to be on mission with God, to be dis- being discipled, and to get out into some of those places that we've talked about, getting out into places where there's people that are uh, homeless. Uh, we do a lot of beautification work. We do anti-human trafficking work. Um, uh, just a whole host of different things. And then we talk about how to take this experience home. We don't want to just go on mission trips, but we, we want to be on mission throughout our lives. And so that's been something that we've been passionate about working on uh, since we've been here in San Francisco. Um, We merged with an existing church called Bay Church. Uh, uh, My wife and I did about six years ago, and um, we've been moving from place to place. And um, just because, you know, because of the, you know, if you can imagine in San Francisco, rent issues and different challenges um, that we've have have worked through, but we finally have found a place for us. It's out at the Pomeroy center, which is right next to the zoo. We can literally see monkeys uh, from the parking lot. It's pretty awesome. Um, but we have a, we have one of the most sweetest, I think congregation. That's what some, another pastor said, this is one of the sweetest congregations that they've ever met. And I, and I really do believe that our hearts have been, um, been refined. Um, and, and that's been a real focus of, of us so that when anybody would come through our doors, they would feel, uh, the, the presence of God in such a, a, like, almost like he would bring them a sweet drink of water. It's like, oh man, that's what I, that's what I needed. I needed to know that I would be welcomed, loved, uh, received, accepted. And, you know, our goal of, of, of I really, what I really believe that church is all about is a community of people coming at the foot of the cross so that we have a place to repent of our sins and to be forgiven. And, um, you know, that is really a, um, a, a pivotal um, a focus of our church is to continue to come to him um, with repentance. Um, in, the, in as much as we might bathe externally, we believe that we need to be washed cleaned on a regular basis. And so that has really been uh, uh, what what has guided us. Um, you know, we have a large space and it's a beautiful space. We, it actually overlooks Lake Merced. 
Um, we have parking, which is crazy. Um, and it's a big space. And, you know, we've been kind of in a place of the Lord has, I think, been pruning, but then also refining. And really, we're in a season that is poised to to grow. Um, we, uh, we, we have a not only a, a great location that we meet at, um, but then we have a nice little courtyard where every Sunday uh, we make soup because <laughs> we really value relationships and connection. And so even though we might end the service at about 1115, 1130, um, we all stick around and we connect and we hang out. We build relationships. Sometimes people want to just talk. Sometimes people need some prayer. Um, sometimes people make appointments to get together throughout the week. Um, but uh, that time of just eating soup and hanging out and talking is a real important part of our our, our service as well. Um, and we're fortunate. We have a very diverse community, age range. We have young ones all the way up to, to uh, the people that are mature in the faith, older. We have youth as well as young adults. Um, and, uh, of course, uh, you know, the, the beautiful thing about San Francisco is it's diverse. People come from all over the world, and that's also reflected in, in our church. Yeah, the beautiful thing about living in the city is if you want to know where the mission field is and serve the Lord there, just open your front door. Bay Church okay. of San Francisco meeting at the Pomeroy Center. That's at 207 Skyline Boulevard, and their service times Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Information available on the web at baychurch.org. That's baychurch.org. Again, service time Sunday mornings, 10 a.m., the Pomeroy Center, 207 Skyline Boulevard in San Francisco. And our thanks to Senior Pastor Noah Combs for being with us today. Pastor, thanks so much for the time. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, this weekend we are starting a new series called Anchor Your Soul. This comes out of Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. It says this, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Jesus asks a question in Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. He says this, And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? What Jesus is talking about here, what he's describing is that our souls, us, who we are, are uh, described like vessels out in the op- open sea, out in the ocean. And he's saying this, what benefit would you receive? What would you gain if you got all the world, if you got all the stuff, but you lost your soul? This scripture, Hebrews chapter 6, 19, it says this, that we would, if we would anchor our soul in our relationship with Jesus, that we'd have hope in him, then it would cause us to be, to be firm and to be secure. You know, you think about that being souls described in, as vessels in a stormy sea. And I guess that begs the question, do you sometimes think of yourself living in a world that's like a stormy sea with tides and riptides and storms and, and, uh, and waves and things like that? You know, I know that sometimes I feel that way. Today, I wanted to talk with you about something specific about countering the current What does that mean, countering the current? Basically, the definition is this, a current that is flowing in the opposite direction of another current. You know, uh, if you think about this, the currents that we have, the, 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 if you've ever been out in the ocean, if you experienced some type of tide and you've experienced the drift 
and you can it seems as if everything would be flowing in that direction. Well, what a countercurrent is, is something that is going in a different or opposite direction. It reminds me of a time that a friend took me um, to this kind of this rock that was uh, on, on the east part of, uh, of Oahu and when I lived in, in Hawaii. And uh, he took me to this rock. It was basically, uh, you know, from the rock, uh, we would jump off. And he was basically said, he said, hey, Noah, just jump off and follow me, right? You know? And so he jumps off and I jump up I jump up after him and what he does is he starts to swim out, you know? But I would I, I got nervous. I got a little fearful and so I was staying close to the rock. Now here there's a problem is because right near the rock there is these waves that the, the current, the tide was flowing and these waves were kinda like wanting to push me up against the rock and he kept yelling to me, Noah, Noah, you know, come out here, come out here. But I, 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 I didn't trust him and I found myself trying to climb the, the side of the rock and, you know, waves were hitting me and stuff and I finally got myself out of there. It was really a, a sketchy and scary situation, you know, come to find out later, like people typically or can get hurt really bad in that situation. And after that, he said to me, no, why didn't you follow me? And I said, because I wanted to stay close to the rock. I wanted to, once I got in, man, I wanted to get out. Because once you get in, you look up and it's like, it's a drop off. It's a big, you know, the big, big, uh, like almost like a cliff. And he said, hey, I, let's try this again. But this time you need to trust me. Follow me. So, so I did. This time I, I jumped in. And what we did was we swam further out. And, and what he did was he kind of showed me that you can swim in a different direction, in a different direction of, of the waves. What it was happening was I was insecure and I was scared. And so I was staying close to the rock and I was battling and I was fighting these waves and I was getting tired. But what we did was we swam out around those waves. And what it did was it lifted us up and it picked us up and it easily put us back up onto the rock. You know, I feel like this is a really uh, powerful illustration of what we're talking about here today because, you know, if we're thinking about ourselves in the cultural current, or if I asked you uh, to describe the cultural current, the things that we come up against, the things that we have to, to deal with, the headwind in our life, I'm sure that if I asked you, could you talk to me about the cultural current, I'm sure you'd have something to say. I feel like all the time people are sharing these things with me. But I believe what the Lord is saying to us is rather than spend our life battling, getting exhausted by this cultural current that continues to want to, to shift us and to push us and to cause us to drift, I believe what the Lord is saying is that there's a different current. There's a, a, a counter current. And this current is called the kingdom of God. It's, it's finding where the current is, where Jesus is going. Instead of fight, fighting the waves of culture or being swept by uh, the current times that we're in, rather than feeling defeated or, or, or getting feeling drifted uh, by the direction of the tide, I believe that the Lord is calling us into a current. He's calling us into the kingdom of God, getting into the tide where Jesus is going, getting our, ourselves in, in, in the current of what God is doing, getting on the path that Jesus is on. Because if we allow ourselves to let the current of our culture determine our director, our direction, can you imagine what could happen? We could, we could drift, couldn't, uh, couldn't we? We can drift and go places that we didn't want to go. We can find ourselves pummeled by the waves, exhausted by the surf, getting pounded into rocks. I believe the Lord is saying to us, 
you know what? There's a different way. There's a, a counter current. It's called the kingdom of God. And we need to, to align ourselves, get ourselves into that current of his kingdom. So how do we do that? Well, here's the first one. Number one, we need to heed to what we have heard or specifically heed to what you have heard. Have you heard anything that God has said? Have you heard any of his scriptures? The word is heed. Hebrews 2.1 says this, Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest we drift away. God has a plan for us. It's to develop us to in, into mature disciples, people of power, people of faith. He wants to do great things in and through our lives. But what he's saying here is that we need to heed what we have heard. Why? Because it's possible for us to just kind of go, yeah, 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 or to allow, you know, his words to go in one ear and out the other, or, or we get some type of direction, some type of call, some type of instructions, and we don't end up following them. What the Lord is saying to us is we need to actually heed it. What does that mean? It means to be more earnest, to increase our sincerity, to be more intense, and to be have a greater Conviction. It's like, basically what it means is like to pay closer attention, to do it, to realize the repercussions and the consequences. If I don't heed it, if I don't follow, if, I don't, if I'm not alert with this, heed, pay closer attention to what you've heard and what you are hearing. It just kind of makes me think, you know, this last week I've been, uh, you know, teaching my uh, almost 12 year old how to ride the Muni. And uh, we've been taking some time practicing, you know, taking the Muni. And uh, so I've been showing him. I've been showing him how to use an app. And we got him a little uh, watch so he can communicate with us and things like that. I've shown him the little Muni map. And uh, I've showed him how to look at, listen to the the, the words and the, the next stops, next stops. I've shown him how to pull on one that, that, you know, long string, what do you call it, wire, <laughs> to tell you that you want the next stop. I've, I've showed him to, to look for little landmarks. Hey, little landmarks, this is how you know when you're, you're supposed to get off at your next stop. And I got to tell you something. When it comes to the conversation or the content of how to ride the Muni, he is heeding it. <laughs> he's paying attention. He's paying, he's paying close attention. He's alert. He's taking it all in. Why is that? Well, the possibility, the one day, you know, that he'll, you know, get to go off on the Muni by himself. He's going to want to know where he's going, how to get off and all that. He is paying close attention. Very different than when maybe we sometimes talk to him about other things that he finds maybe less important, you know. And I think that's true of all of us. But what I believe that the Lord is saying to us, especially this prophetic word about the times that we're in, it's important to heed the word of the Lord to have an increased awareness, to have a, a, a greater focus, to have a more attention, to have a greater conviction about it. Why? Because, yeah, we don't know what time, what, what is ahead. We don't know what these times, you know, uh, might um, uh, have for us. We don't know what types of things could be ahead. And so having a greater intensity, having a greater attention uh, and an intention, to listen to God's voice, to hear what he is saying. His truth, his wisdom, his insight gives us direction, the direction that we need. And our job is to heed, to listen, to pay attention, pay close attention to these directions, these promises, these truths, these, these warnings that he 
gives to us. So to pay to pay close attention and to take hold of his wisdom is the first thing that we need to do to make sure that we are uh, in in the counter current or to the in in the current of the kingdom of God. And the second thing that we need to do is we need to hold on tighter to our relationship with Jesus. Hold on tighter. Has there ever been a time when you felt like there's a relationship gap between you and somebody else? Or somebody seems to be going on a little bit ahead of you? And it's important you don't know where you're going, and so you need to like keep that relationship close. You know, you, you, you might you might be a little bit nervous. I know sometimes uh, whether it's my kids or my wife, we might be in a place or an environment where we're a little bit nervous. We find ourselves holding on a little tighter, holding our hands a little tighter. I think that we need to do that. I believe that's what the Lord is saying to us, to hold on tighter to our relationship with Jesus. John 15, 4 says this, stay joined to me. Jesus is saying this, stay joined to me and I will stay joined to you. Let's stay joined together. It says no branch can produce fruit alone. It must stay connected to the vine. It is the same with you. You cannot produce fruit alone. You must stay joined to me. I know that we all have a temptation to want to become individualists. I am my own person. I do my own thing. I live my life accordingly to how I want to do, when I want to do. And we become individualists almost in our own way. become kind of our own God with our own theology, our own philosophy. What the Lord is saying here is don't do that. Instead, stay close to me. Stay tight with me. Join hands with me. Follow me. You see, when we're, when we're tethered, we have security. We find our way. We find our direction. When we're not tethered, well, then scary things can happen. Isn't that true? And Jesus is telling us to be tethered in our relationship with Jesus. Because if you're untethered, have you ever you know, seen a situation where, where someone is not tethered? I got to tell you something. I, I was, uh, you know, watching some videos the other day and I saw this video of this girl, uh, lady, she was on the deck of a boat. It was like this boat and she was going and and she was just relaxing, like had no care in the wor- world. She's out on the deck, maybe having a drink with a friend or something like that. And then all of a sudden that boat hit this jetty, hit this wave and it launched her like, you know, 20 I don't know, 25 feet in the air. I don't know how, how it was, but just launched her ship in the air and she went overboard. And, and, and you know, what did I do when I saw that? Well, I, I did what most people do when they see something like that. They have to watch that video again. So I watched it a few times and I had to say it was kind of, kind of amusing. But the reality is, is that if you ever see someone, you know, not tethered and, you know, whether it's on a boat, they get launched like that or in another situation, it's not funny at all. It's actually, you know, pretty scary when someone's not tethered, when someone d- doesn't have a grip on something and they, they go flying. It's, it's, it's pretty scary. It, it makes me think, though, when I think about being tethered, you know, a f- couple weeks ago, I took my boys to Six Flags uh, up in uh, Vallejo and uh, we, we rode some some uh, roller coasters and let me tell you something what a blast i mean i have got to tell you i'm not 20 years old anymore so you know i found myself even a little little shaky on my feet afterward a little woozy a couple times but i still did it i i, I did it with them um but man we would we'd go way up high we'd go screaming down real fast we'd do twisties we'd go upside down we'd go all over the place on these roller coasters and you would think that doing all that shucking and jiving and moving around that you would you'd fall you'd get tossed but it doesn't happen why 
because you get tethered. They tether you in. Now, would I ever go on a roller coaster without getting buckled in or tethered? No way. No way would I do that. And neither would you. Now, now here's the thing. Many of us would say, I don't like roller coasters. I don't like turbulence on airplanes. I don't like waves on a boat. But what we're talking about here are uh, currents of the culture that can oftentimes turn into you know, jetties or waves or they can cause turbulence. And the reality is, is when it comes to the currents of our culture, do we really have a choice? The answer is no. We just have to sometimes, you know, experience sort of what comes our way, but but how we respond or how we re- re- prepare ourselves is completely our choice. It, it reminds me really uh, recently I was on an airplane, uh, did several, several trips flying out to um, you know, the, the Midwest and up to Canada. And a couple of my trips, there was significant turbulence. It was just like, you know, the plane was kind of jumping around and doing this, doing that. And what ended up happening was uh, at one point they had to suspend the drink service. So they weren't giving our drinks, they had to suspend that. And then all the flight attendants would just come and to make sure that we all had our seatbelts on, that seatbelt, 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 seatbelts. And what they were doing was they were making sure that all of us were tethered. And let me tell you something, the turbulence was so great. I'm glad that we were. You know, when I think about this illustration, you know, I think about when it comes to the turbulence of sometimes what our culture brings, the, the current of our culture, whether it's the waves that we experience, whatever we want to call it, the Lord is saying to us that it's absolutely critical that we stay tethered in our relationship with Jesus, that our soul is connected with Christ. And my question then is to you is, are you fastened to him? Are you, are you connected in relationship with, with him, to his ways and to his purposes? Are you pursuing the kingdom of God or are you letting the, the, the current of our culture to cause you to, to drift and to, to move away into places that you would never have wanted to go? And so just like a flight attendant, I want to ask you that question. Get your seatbelt on. Are you fastened in your relationship with him? If he is the vine, you are the branches. Is, are you holding on to him? Is he holding on? to you because it's absolutely critical whenever you go through seasons, challenges, trials, difficulties in what we call even this life that we're in. And then the third thing is that we need to determine to be discipled. Yeah, we need to always uh, make that a priority in our life to get discipled, to be a student, to be taught. First Timothy 4, 7 through 8 says this, have nothing to do with irrelevant Silly myths. What was that saying? Basically, foolish talk. Don't spend your time listening to, to garbage podcasts, just, you know, theories, uh, you, you know, um, all kinds of things that could, you know, freak you out or just all these, these silly philosophies and these theories and these myths. He's like, don't, don't do that. But instead, what would be a, a good use of your time is to train yourself in godliness. And it says, even though bodily training is of value, and I think all of us would agree exercise is of value, he says all the more, what's even of more value is godliness in every way. Why? Because it holds great promise in our present life as well as the life to come. Proverbs 1.7 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. 
And it's really clear. I, I believe this is really clear that those of us who uh, are wanting to be uh, Christians, God fears, have a relationship with the Lord. We are ones that that choose his wisdom. And while we allow the, 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 the theories and the ideas of our current culture, we, we allow those things to fall off. Well, on the other hand, those who reject God, they'll spend their time, you know, thinking and becoming smart with these different theories and ideologies, and they'll reject uh, God's wisdom. They'll reject his instruction. And that's where you see two very different currents. One that says, God's wisdom, God's way, his truth, his word, that's the current. That's what I'm going to put in my mind. That's what I'm going to put in my heart. The theories and the ideologies of our current times, I'm going to let th- those go. I'm not going to put my time and energy into that. But you'll see the opposite is true of the current of our times. We'll, they'll be into all these different ideas and philosophies and theories, and they'll, re- they'll reject uh, the truth of God's word. So being discipled. Being trained in godliness, it has great priority for this life as well as the one to come. In our discipleship, we're receiving his teachings. We're becoming wise, even though there's foolish chatter around us. While the Lord provides wisdom of the ages, our culture, it serves up foolishness. The disciple disciplines themselves. Let me say that again. The disciple disciplines themselves. A disciple submits. A disciple chooses to be a student. You know, a a disciple always chooses to be a learner. Even if you become a teacher, you're still a student. Even if you become a pastor, you still still are a disciple. You know, the other day I was with my son and we uh, were kind of on a little excursion. We were running some errands and we stopped in at In-N-Out and we were getting a hamburger. And while we're waiting for our food, I was just thinking and praying about discipleship. I was like, Lord, how do I better disciple people? And it was just like, I felt like I heard the Lord say to me, what about your discipleship? Oh man, it was like the Lord was showing me, you know, I hadn't, I haven't really made the priority of, of being a student in, in this last season. Now, here's the thing. I'm not saying that I'm, you know, reading all these, you know, uh, you know, uh, self-help books or, you know, going into other religions or, you know, allowing the, the, the currents of these times to cause me to do all these different things or sinning. I'm not saying any of that. I'm still I'm plugged in. I love the Lord. I read God's word, but I haven't put myself in an environment like Jesus describes where you're with other disciples being challenged, being encouraged. And I just said, man, I, I felt like the Lord was just reminding me how valuable that was. And so I spent uh, some time just reaching out to some friends, called some friends, and I said, hey, what would it look like if we made some time to get together and if we began to just be disciples? These are all pastor friends of mine. Let's just be disciples. Let's be learners again, and let's commit to growing. And and, and when I called each one of them, it was like it just resonated. All I'm like, yeah, that's what I need. I need to grow. I need to learn. I need to be challenged. I need to be in community. And uh, so I believe that this message, it's coming prophetic uh, for you, for me, that we all need to say, you know what? I need to follow Jesus and I need to strengthen my relationship with him, become a student again. And, uh, and And I believe that what we're saying is, hey, come on. Come with me. Let's follow Christ. Paul said that. Follow me. I'm following Christ. Come on, guys. Let's do this together. And I believe that what we're doing is we're getting into the current of the kingdom 
of God together, to choose to be a student, to choose to be a learner, to submit to the guidance of the Lord. Because being in relationship with Jesus and being a disciple, being a follower of Jesus, doing it in community, this is being counter to the current. How do we become counter to the current? Let me just say it one more time. It's being in relationship with Jesus. It's being disciple. It's following Jesus. It's doing it in community with others. And I, and I just ask you, have you ever had an experience like that before? Where you're with some others and you're being discipled and you share something from your life, some type of wound, some type of struggle, some type of pain. And somebody in that group says, wow, I share that too. I have that too. And, 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 and it just feels like, man, I'm not alone. And we can just take some time to encourage one another, to pray for each other, to look into God's word, to see what God's word says that uh, says about that. And we can grow from it. We can learn from it. And we can actually uh, take steps of faith as we come out of, out of these times uh, together in these discipleship environments. That healing and that wholeness, that faith and that growth, that happens in our relationships, in our relationship with God as the Holy Spirit guides us and I believe that that's the recipe for overcoming the obstacles and the challenges of life, not being swept up by the currents of the times, not being you know, thrown to and fro by the waves, but instead we're making an active choice to anchor and preserve our soul from the currents of the culture that could lead to so many catastrophes. I want to share this real quick story and then I'm going to pray for you. I remember one time I was out surfing and let me tell you something. I was never a good surfer and I was always, you know, trying to surf bigger waves than I should have. And I remember this time that I was just trying and surfing. I was just exhausted and I found myself just kind of floating and just allowing the water to, 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 to cause me to drift. And I remember this paddle boarder came along side, came alongside me and he's just asking me, Hey, you're all right. You're all right. You know? And I was like, oh, I'm okay, I'm all right. You know? And he's like, Hey, can you, can, he's like, can you paddle? And I said, oh, I'm okay. I'm all right. He's like, and he just said, hey, if you if you keep drifting, he's like, you're going to end up in that that surf over there, end up by those rocks. And I, was, I looked over and he said, hey, you know, he could tell that I was exhausted. And he said, hey, just grab a hold of my board, you know, just grab a hold of my board. And so I grabbed, reached out and I grabbed a hold of his board and he paddled and he kind of towed me uh, out of that, out of that current. And he brought me into an area, into a channel where I could sort of, you know, start to, to, to paddle again. And you know, I believe that's what Jesus is offering to us. So many of us might be exhausted, just weary, fighting the waves, fighting the current. And I believe Jesus is just saying, hey, I, I can see you're exhausted. I can see you're tired. But if, if, if you keep, if you stay that way, you're going to find yourself just drifting into this this uh, current. And you're going to end up in the, in, in, in the surf. You could hit some rocks. It could be really devastating for you. So grab a hold, grab a hold, get restore relationship with me. Let's do it together. Get into this current called the kingdom of God. And so that we can have hope for our soul, firm and secure. Why? Because our soul is the most valuable thing that God has given to us. That is Pastor Noah Coombs, Senior Pastor of Bay Church of San Francisco. This has been the Church of the Week, showcasing churches and pulpit ministries from across the greater San Francisco Bay Area. To nominate your congregation for Church of the Week, please email us the name and address of your pastor and church along with a link to your church's website to churchoftheweek at salemsf.com. Again, that's the name and address of your pastor and church along with a link to the website and email to churchoftheweek at salemsf.com. 
While all submissions will be considered, not every submission is guaranteed airtime. Thank you for joining us today, and be sure to tune in again next week at this time for the Church of the Week.